Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Turn it on. All right, we're good. We're on. Good morning, everyone. Um, if you live in northeastern Montana, you do understand that on Thursday and Friday was the opening of the youth big game, and yesterday was opening of uh, a, adult, adult, regular season big game. And so congratulations to all of you for getting your deer yesterday and making it to church today. You're just bitter that you didn't no. get yours yesterday. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm still here, though. I'm still here, though. Uh, good morning. We're going to jump right into doing some announcements. And so last week, I didn't lie to you, but it's going to sound like it. So let me explain. Um, there, the, I, I explained that there was uh, six uh, kids at the orphanage that needed a, a sponsorship for Christmas. Um, I did not lie about that. There were six. Then I said that Dixie took care of all of them because I gave her the list and she was heading out of town, so she just, she just got excited and got them all. Um, and so then I said that you could buy beef jerky if you would like to help uh, and, then, and then bring that in. And so you'll see the announcement. It says, if you can't help, buy jerky. What it's missing is buy jerky and bring it in. Um, don't just buy jerky and eat it yourself. You can do that, but um, also bring some in here. Uh, the other thing is, is the orphanage, uh, the lady I'm dealing with as far as these sponsorships go, she emailed me in the interim and said, uh, how many more do you think you could do? And I said, well, God will provide, and, and my church family is amazing and beautiful. And so we have 11 more. <laughs> it says in the announcement, eight. I somehow miscounted when I, when I gave Breezy those numbers and when Seth and I were talking this morning. And so I have, I have 11 little cards here. Um, and then I also have uh, 9 by 12 envelopes down there. And so you could take those and then you just um, read what's on the list. And you can pick up a couple things that will all fit in the 9 by 12 and then bring it back if you would like to sponsor one of the orphans. That will give us a total of 17 in the orphanage uh, that we'll sponsor uh, right from here. Um, if there's any other way you would like to help, just, just come talk to me. I'm not a liar. Um, my church family is beautiful, and they will definitely help God provide for these children that are in need. And so, uh, yeah, just come see me after the service, before the service. I also have on here, in case you get confused and we don't have time to have an exchange, um, on here uh, it talks about year-long sponsorships for each kid. Uh, most of them just, if they, if they need sponsorship, it's just an educational sponsorship. And I say just, but um, they have a, a couple different levels of sponsorships. These, these uh, all of them that are in here that need sponsorship need an educational sponsorship. And it's, it's listed on there if they need that or it just doesn't have anything and they don't need a sponsorship. They're already taken care of uh, as far as a year-long sponsorship goes. But if they sign up to do Christmas stuff, they're not they're signing not, yeah, up. Yeah, you're not sponsored. Okay. I'm just letting you know what other needs they have throughout the year if you really get an attachment. Um, reading through some of these, Victor uh, uh, is one of the uh, most rambunctious kids in the orphanage. Um, but I, I specifically remember him because the first time I went there uh, six years ago, he sat on my lap during the Harvest Fest festival that they have while we're there and he ate more food than I think I've ever eaten in one sitting and he was just uh, at the time 
uh, he was just one or two years old, and so he just ate a ton of food. And so I remember Victor. And so a lot of these, I know who they are. They're really cute. You may grow attached just buying them gifts, and so it's an opportunity to help them throughout the year. A couple announcements that I have is uh, the college care package. We're about to kind of take that off of the bulletin. And so if you have any kids that you know of that are um, in college that just need to be reached out to, loved on, said, hey, uh, we want to encourage you, would you just take a three-by-five note card out and write that college kid's name on that note card and drop it in the offering plate as it goes by you so that we can just love on them, give them a little bit of encouragement um, as, they, as they're going on. Name um, and, and address. Name and address, yes. Address. We need the that address. That would be awesome. Yep. Thank you very much. And then we'll get them to Pat. And the next thing is next Sunday, please be putting this on your calendar um, so you can help us out. Next Sunday, um, we are going to be packing our boxes for Operation Christmas Child. And so uh, every year, we, uh, we're the drop-off place uh, for Operation Christmas Child boxes, uh, but also we like to do uh, about 110 to 150 boxes. And so those boxes are wrapped right now and we're just needing to put stuff into them. And so uh, next Sunday, uh, we are going to do that after church. We are going to uh, provide Subway sandwiches, salads, chips, drinks, all that sort of stuff just to have some fun. And then we'll start wrapping boxes or I'm sorry, putting stuff in the boxes. And so anybody can join, bring your families, Get ready to do that with us, and then, and then we'll pray over them, uh, and then we'll, we'll begin the process of getting ready to ship them out. And so if you have stuff or if you've been walking around and seen um, stuff that you can put in them, uh, man, sandals work great, uh, crayons, uh, colored pencils, all that sort of things, can, those things can go in there just to kind of love on those children during the Christmas season, Okay. Uh, yeah, and then uh, the last thing is actually, I'm going to do two announcements here. This one's not a surprise, but you just didn't know I was going to announce this. Okay. I just want to make sure everyone knows that uh, every year uh, we take part in what we call Harvest Festival. Uh, and that's going to be coming up the first Sunday of November. And what that is, is we um, bring in a guest speaker that's doing missions somewhere in the world. Uh, right this, this year, is, I can't remember his name, but he's from Butte. Titus Bergen. Titus, there we yes. go. Titus will be here and he's going to talk to us. Um, what we do is uh, uh, we don't do like a special offering. We do normal offering, but that offering does not stay uh, in this building to help, you know, with lights or, or anything else. This goes strictly out to all the, the missionaries we support. And uh, there's, there's quite a big list, but we will have that list in the bulletin next week. So you'll, you can be praying for those people uh, and also know where those funds are going to go to. Uh, uh, and then the, the next part of the announcement has nothing to do with it, but it's what yep. I was supposed to announce. Uh, Seth and I are going to, we're, we're going to be gone uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday. If you're looking to get a hold of us, you're just going to have to use um, email or phone. We won't be here in the office. We're going to annual conference in Billings. Um, we're going to sleep in the same room together, I think. Nope. I can't remember. No, we're not? No. Nope. We're not? Oh, he got separate rooms. Okay. Uh, well, we're going to be hanging out a lot together as we go to annual conference and, and uh, yeah. yeah. Just be praying for us. Okay. Uh, you, <laughs> yeah, praying for us, seriously. Pray for me. Yeah. You yell at me a lot when we're together. Uh, <laughs> hey, there's three by five note cards in the seat backs in front of you. And every single week we ask you guys to send those in. Uh, if you have a prayer request this week, would you just grab it out, uh, be writing on it, uh, things that we can pray for you on during, during the week. And so, um, man, 
Every single week when we do get those, I'm kind of, I'm amazed at uh, what people are going through, what people are asking for prayer for, and it humbles me to know that, um, man, we're, we're not all alone in this. Um, sometimes we think that the situations that we're going through are only specific to us, and yet once we take a step back, we realize that we're a part of a family who, um, man, we deal with a lot of the same things, and it's just great to be able to pray with one another. And so every Sunday, um, this is one of my favorite times to be able to pray with each other, and so would you pray with me? And if you want to fill out that 3 by 5 note card, just drop it in the offering plate as it goes by, okay? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, as we're about to head into worship, Lord, and, uh, and dive into your word, Lord, I, I would pray that uh, we could turn our focus off of everything that's been going on this week, and that we could have you speak to our souls, and Lord, you would share truth, and that you would guide and direct And that, God, we would be willing to open up our hearts to allow you to do the work you need to do. And so, God, when we come and share our worship together and share our, our reading of the Bible together, Lord, I, I just pray that you that you would guide and direct for the rest of the week. God, would we know your truth? Would we seek to live it out? God, it's easy to get caught up in worry and it's easy to get caught up in um, fear. Get caught up in ourselves and our own wants and desires. And Lord, I, I would just pray that we could see all of those in the light of your glory. That we could change our direction. And so Lord, as we give our offering today, may it be... Be, may it be used for your glory. May we spread your kingdom throughout our community, throughout our county, throughout our state, and throughout our world. God, we love you and we thank you so much for being our God. In your name we pray, amen. I'll ask the ushers to come forward and we'll give our morning tithe and then the worship team will lead us in worship. Thanks. Last week, we started a brand new sermon series called uh, just worship and looking at uh, how we're worshiping and just going through what the Bible says about worship. And so, um, and in fact, actually, I think I have the wrong verse up there. Yeah. So Mark 12, 30 through 31 says this, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. The second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And so when we talked about going into worship and heading into worship and what's the right way to worship, we're actually not even going to get into all of those things. Uh, we're not going to get into, hey, this is how you stand, this is how you sit, on none of those things. Because I want to talk about what's really going on inside of us and what's going on in, in, in our vertical and our horizontal life. And so we're going to look at every single week 
uh, man, worshiping God with your heart, worshiping God with your soul, worshiping God with your mind, and worshiping God with your strength. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27 says this, and I will give you a new heart, new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will, take out your jo- I, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. The whole entire point of, of doing this whole entire series is this, is, is that what if we needed to have a little bit of a heart adjustment? What if we needed to maybe just have a little bit of a perspective change in how we're going along and seeing worship these days? And so, uh, our biblical worship is a response. If you're taking notes, biblical worship is a response in our heart, soul, mind, and strength to who God is and what he has done. Should be on that next slide there for me. The one with all of them hanging out. It's okay if it's not. Biblical worship is a response in our heart, soul, mind, and strength to who God is and what he has done. So before we start this morning, let's pray. God, would we get a fresh perspective of you today? Would you speak to our souls as we dive into the worship in soul? God, would we connect with you this morning? In your name we pray. Amen. About, uh, oh, about this June, I was at this general conference, and there's going to be two stories from this general conference that I went to in, in terms of worship, but um, we were, we were uh, about ready to go into a session and we were doing just worship as a group of us together and the speaker uh, that was about to come up is uh, is a, a friend of mine from Cheyenne, Wyoming and uh, Element Church down there who's a sister church of ours and uh, I knew he was going up and I just love Jeff Manis. He's a great guy, super humble, uh, an amazing communicator and, and as I was sitting there, I could I was just thinking to myself going, how do you step up and go under the, into the pulpit and know that you're going to speak to a whole bunch of pastors who speak every single week and think, what do I have to say to them? And, and while we were worshiping, I'm telling you, this guy, hands raised, I mean, he was worshiping. And I looked at that and I, and I thought to myself, there is no way in this certain circumstance if I was going up that I would ever be worshiping. I would be looking back through my notes, trying to figure out everything, writing down something, maybe jotting something, changing a word around to kind of really actually focus on going, this is what I'm going to talk about. And in that very moment, God said, well, his his priorities are in the right place. Because at that very moment, all that he had to do was to worship, to worship who God was and and who he truly was. And I think that doesn't just come from the heart. That comes from our soul connecting with God. And later on, we're going to read in this piece of scripture where it talks about we worship in spirit. Our spirit gives voice to the truth of the doctrines and the words we sing. Like he, Jeff, realized at that moment that as he's singing, all of the words that he's singing are completely true of who God is and how great and awesome God is. 
Last week we talked about the heart of worship. If you would come to a point of going, man, I am worshiping and speaking to the one true God. That should change our hearts. That should move us to go, I only want to have an audience of one. And so if the audience of one from last week, I think it moves into a little bit of kind of, what are we really saying when we worship? And so we've been talking a little bit um, in our, in our uh, preaching team a little bit about, hey, are you going to talk a little bit about the songs we sing compared to uh, how we worship? And I want to start, if we're going to start talking about our hearts being changed, I think we need to move into a little bit about where is your soul in worship? And so the questions become, do you know God? Have you connected with him in a way that allows the song to come from your heart, not just the words on the screen? The response in our heart does not come from the emotion of the song we are singing. It comes from the truth that resonates in our spirit that has tasted and seen God's goodness. But in all reality, if I was really honest, sometimes our worship looks more like this. sing of your love on Sundays only sing of your love on Sundays I will sing of your love on Sundays then this feeling is gone by Monday I surrender some <laughs> I surrender I will give you little I surrender I stand amazed at my hairdo my stylist outdid Just go, go through the motion. 
so glad that Tim didn't pick any of those songs this week. <laughs> Maybe next week. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I, don't play that, uh, I don't play that video to make it look like, hey, I, I don't like any of those songs. That's not what I'm, what I'm doing. I think that we get lost in that. That we assume that a song is supposed to Man, equiv equivalent, or oh man, that's the wrong word. Be the equivalent, thank you, of, of helping emotions rise up from in us. That if we sing the right song, if we have the right emotion, then we are somehow connected with God. Now that's true. We know that there are some times in which if we set the right tone, if we know the right order of songs, right, we can get an emotional response. We can get something for some people to connect with God a little bit more. But I wonder if that's really our desire or if that's something we're trying to accomplish. Because if all we want to do is well up an emotion, I think we forget about what's going on in our soul. You see, the desire to worship comes from God, not us to God. It's not mustering up enough strength to be able to come in and say, okay, now I'm going to worship because I feel good. No, I worship God because of who God is and what he's doing in my life. John MacArthur says it like this. He says, worship should be truth, giving voice from the heart and an emotional response. Worship should be truth, giving voice from the heart and an emotional response. And instead, most of the time we have it backwards, is I want to give an emotional response to the truth that's going on so that my heart feels good. And so I think that there is a perfect example of this going on in John chapter 4. Jesus meets a woman at the well. And the woman uh, comes and she asks him specifically about worship. And I used to think that this was uh, a little bit more about uh, Jesus just revealing himself. But I think that this comes from a stance of, man, something that's been going on in the heart of human beings forever. How do I best connect with God? How do I best come with anything I have and be able to give God everything and say, see, my worship is amazing. God, would you just love my worship? And she brings an amazing question to Jesus, and Jesus answers it very cryptically, I would think, in, in this time. But stepping back, man, I, I love his response. And so let's read it together, verses 19 through 26. It says, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. 
So tell me, is it that you Jews insist, tell me why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For, sal for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. We're going to unpack that this morning. We're not going to go too many other places, but I think that this story has an amazing part in how we should look at worship every single week. And so if you're taking notes with me on the, on the very back of your bulletin, the first thing is this, is to worship in spirit means we need to get over the thought that our worship is correct and theirs is wrong. Verses 19 and 20, right away, sir, the woman says, you must be a prophet, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped. If there was one thing that breaks up a bunch of churches today in our world, it is the argument of whose worship is better. Should you, should you only have hymns? Should you have choruses? Do you remember the Maranatha chorus book, right? You used to have the hymn in the old days where you'd sing the hymn, and they'd be like, okay, now go to the next book, and we're going to go to chorus 74, right? And then it became the, and then after that, people were like, man, why do we have books? We can just use an overhead. And so you'd have that little kid who wanted to do something, and he'd just slide the overhead up every time and then down, and then you'd get all dizzy looking at this overhead on the screen. I mean, and then we went to projectors, right? And then all of a sudden, now you go to projectors, but man, when you sing a hymn, you can't see all the four-part harmonies, and so nobody is singing in harmony anymore, and then we just, it's exhausting. I don't say that to say that one is better than the other. In fact, actually, what we should look at and we should say, man, isn't it amazing that every generation has had an ability to worship God. That every single <laughs> generation has that song that they love. I go to my grandma's house and she's got these cassettes that she loves playing and she's 105 years old, right? And so she puts in her cassette and my kids just love them because they're like, what is this, a cassette player? And I'm like, wow, this is... but." Man, some of the old songs that are on there. But she also has a DVD player or a CD player. And so she has those music that she listens to. 
And one day I asked her, it was probably, oh, 10 years ago, I asked her, I said, Grandma, what do you think about the worship in our church? And she, says, she said this, she goes, man, I, I miss the old hymns. I miss the 10 hymns that we sung. Uh, that wasn't 10. It was three hymns that we sung on a Sunday. She goes, but it's not my generation now to lead the church where it's going. And so I love the music of today. We cannot forget where we came from and we cannot forget where we're going. And so we need to get over our worship is correct or theirs is wrong. What we need to do now is figure out how to do this as a church together. I was at General Conference. This is the second story is General Conference. And one of the cool things that they did at this is they, uh, we were in downtown Portland. And so what they wanted to do is they wanted to try their best to get as many smatterings of going on of different worship styles. And so we had maybe four or five different um, worship people come in and, and lead worship for us. And so the, one of the ones that I remember the most is because it was so much fun for me is uh, they, they brought in a... Um, uh, the, the best way that I can describe it is uh, soul worship, right? right? You, you have that, um, that lady that can just lead from, like it's just like inner, right? And she is just going crazy and you watch all these white men, right? Just kind of going, I don't know what to do right now. Like, I, what should I be doing? And this lady was fantastic, right? She was bringing it. And she, I mean, just the songs that we would normally sing, and they just, they're, they're changing it up. And then I'm watching these other pastors, right? I'm watching Jeff Manis once again. This guy is, maybe I have a crush on him. I don't know. I'm going to see him tomorrow. Anyway, but uh, he is dancing like crazy, right? He is one step away from flag waving. Um, but uh, I just loved it because I, I thought to myself, man, this is good to get out of our comfort zones. This lady was trying to get people just to clap on beat and stomp, right? And they just couldn't do it because we had a bunch of old guys there. Um, I, I don't have a beat whatsoever, so I couldn't do it either. But I stood in back and watched the whole thing. It was phenomenal. The thing that we need at any generation is to get over is, is that our worship isn't correct. Theirs, might be not, isn't, may, theirs may not be as well. Isaiah 29, 13 says it, and I, I showed you this last week. And it says, and so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. This lady at the well had been going a whole entire lifetime so far, just doing what she assumed that she was supposed to be doing and wondering, am I connecting with God? Is this the right way to do it? And she's missing the whole entire picture as Jesus goes into the next section of scripture, which is verse 21, and he says this, Jesus, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. He's getting at 
the heart of what's really going on. And so if you're still taking notes with me, what is our worship? What if our worship was neither here or there? I, I want to ask the question, what if, what if we're all wrong? I've said this to you guys before, but I got this really crazy picture in my mind the other day that, um, I, I, not a vision, because it wasn't a vision, but I, I just let my mind wander sometimes. And I thought to myself, what if we all got into heaven and we were up at the pearly gates, right? And we got to ask the question that every, well, that I've been wanting to ask, which is, hey, God, what is your favorite worship song? Or, or how do you love to worship? And, and he sat down and he goes, oh man, let me tell you, let me tell you that my favorite worship is the didgeridoo. How many of you guys know what didgeridoo is? Yeah, didgeridoo is a uh, Australian Aboriginal uh, like you just blow into this horn. It's really super cool. But uh, I thought to myself going, what if we got to the point of going, God, I, I don't know how to worship like that. I don't, I don't know how to worship. And, and I think that Jesus is getting to this point with us. He's getting to the point of going, you do realize that it's, it's yours isn't the right way or maybe the wrong way. It's neither here nor there. I feel like uh, I'm Dr. Seuss right near right now. Um, what if we're what if we're both wrong? There's a story in the Old Testament that is a beautiful picture of of this that brings us to the real soul of what's really going on. And so God brings Ezekiel and and He brings him to this valley of dry bones. And as God is speaking to him, speaking to Ezekiel, he says, look at all these bones scattered here. And he asks the question, and so you can pop up the verses if you want to in Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. And I'm not going to read it, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit here, but he says, son of man, can these bones become living people again? They're dead. They're, they're dry. They've been dead for a while. They've got nothing on them. They're just bones. And here's Ezekiel's response. Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. I think if you speak to some people, what they might do is try to figure out, okay, the hip bone is connected to the thigh bone and start doing all of that, right? And trying to piece it together and just put it all there, right? Like find all the right bones. So then we can go, okay, God, here's all the right bones. Now you can, now, now you do the work. We've done what we can do. But it's a huge valley of all these bones. And then God says to him, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will breathe into you. It's the same breath that is talking about when God made man. 
and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke to this message, just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. This isn't just a little section. This is a whole entire valley. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscle and flesh formed over the bones. The skins formed, the skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. This is a perfect picture. I think sometimes when we come to worship, we don't really understand the words that are going on or what's going on in our hearts. We're just coming because this is what we've been told we're supposed to do every single week. Maybe that's our leadership's fault. Maybe we need to look at things differently. I don't know, but this is kind of where it goes, is if we're just going through the motions like that song sung, or we just come in and we go, ah, I'm not really feeling that song. We are like these dry bones just standing here with no breath in them. We might be able to do the things we're supposed to do, but we're not really living. And then he goes on the rest of the story and says, okay, well now speak to them a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. What he's talking about here is putting the breath of who God is in them. And this happens and all of a sudden there is this vast army standing there alive and breathing and ready to respond to who God is. Verse 13 goes on to say, when this happens, oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own lands. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. He puts our, his spirit inside of us so that we respond from our soul because our souls have connected with his spirit. Spirit to spirit. Some people might also say that the soul word is also connected with our spirit. Only he does that. Only God can do that. And so what he's talking to, what he's saying to the woman at the well is this, is that there will come a day when it doesn't matter where you worship because God will place his spirit inside of you. And you will be able to worship anywhere. It doesn't matter if it's here or there. It is right now in every single moment. It is now up to us to do what Jesus then follows up in, verses 22, in verse 22. And he says this, You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we, while we Jews know all about him. This seems, like a, this seems like a huge slight, but it's not. What he's just saying is, is that we do know because he's revealed himself to us. And so would you be willing to Seek him out with us, for salvation comes through the Jews. 
He's simply making a fact that out of the Jewish nation will come the place where you guys will get to know who God is. And so, number three, to worship God means we have to know God. And the Spirit gives us that desire to know God. We're not trying to convince ourselves of God when we're singing songs. It's the difference between knowing God and knowing of God. When we worship, we already know who God is and we are proclaiming his goodness. And so when we come to worship and there's maybe somebody in our audience who doesn't know who God is, they are listening to you tell them how you know God, what you know of God. One of the anthems that kind of Tim has talked about is, man, when we sing that song, we believe as a church. It is telling everybody around us, this is what we believe because we know it to be true from God because we know God. Philippians 3, 8 through 11 says this, and I know I just put 310. You can scratch that out and put 8 through 11. It says this, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience here. There it is. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, share in his death, so that, the one, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. We're starting to move past just simple singing songs. And we're going to get into that when we talk about the mind and the strength in this sermon series. Our worship comes out of knowing God and what he's doing inside of our hearts. He is the one that's breathed into us and we can express that love to him. Then he goes on in verses 23 and 24, and he says, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in this way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. When we sing songs, we are giving a voice to our belief about God. When we sing songs... We are giving a voice to our belief about God. Tim and I meet uh, every week on Tuesdays at 1.30. And um, when we first started meeting, him and I were just talking about worship and, and what we thought about worship and, and how things are going. And, um, and, I, and I felt like I had some things to get off my, get off my chest that one day. And so... Uh, I said, hey, man, I think everything is really cool as long as you don't play this one song. 
And he's like, and he, and he looked at me and he's like, but I really liked playing that song. I said, yeah, but it, as soon as you tell me what everybody, if everybody knows what they're singing, then I'll let you play that song. And so a month or two goes by, and it wasn't like I was mean. Was I mean? Yeah, of course he would say I was mean. <laughs> it wasn't. It was just like, hey, I'm, I'm just struggling with this song. And then like two months go by, and, and he chooses this song. And at first I started going, why did he choose this song? I guarantee nobody in this audience knows what they're singing, right? Like I was this, this pompous guy. And then I started singing the words myself. And uh, that was one of those moments where um, I had to grab a tissue and I felt incredibly guilty. One, because I told him never to sing this song, but two, because I was telling him that you can't sing the song unless other people know what it's about when I should be allowing him to sing that song because it's absolutely true of who God is. And now all of you are wondering what that song is. And so I'm going to tell you. The song is called Days of Elijah. And this is what it says. These are the days of Elijah declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. Elijah's whole entire life was all about letting the world know who God was. That's what he did his whole entire life was declaring the goodness of God. We are in the days of Elijah because Jesus is here. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. We are made right because God brought us out from slavery. And, he's, and he put a new song in our hearts because of who Jesus is. And these are the days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sword. Man, we can, we can get lost in that word all you want to, but man... If you didn't realize that we're in great trials, how many people are worried about things? How many people have darkness? How many wars are being fought right now? How many people are being killed for their beliefs? How many kids around the world are struggling to get food? And we still need to be the voice in the desert crying, hey, Prepare the way of God. He is coming. He's returning. Hey, do this. And we need to do everything we possibly can to prepare for that. Everything we possibly can in our might and our ability to say, no, this is not right. We are going to do whatever we can to prepare the way for God. Whether that's feeding people, whether that's helping people get over their darkness of, of whatever that might be, hard relationships, worry, fear, doubt, anger, all of those things. We are helping people get out of those. We don't want to fight anymore. It says that God, our God is the God of peace. We want to share Jesus with everybody. And then it still goes on. And I'm not even through the second or through the first verse. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds. We are waiting for God to come and show his might. Shining like the sun at the trumpet's call. When that day comes, are we ready? 
Are you lifting your voice? Are you ready to sing the year of Jubilee? The year of Jubilee is this, is that everybody's debts were freed. Everybody, the year of Jubilee was every seven years that everybody got to, man, all the debt you had, every, everything goes back to square one. I mean, that was a year of celebration. And out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. That's where Jesus comes. And then I'm going to read through the rest. These are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming his flesh. And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding a temple of praise. These are the days of the harvest. The fields are ready. And we are your people, laborers in your vineyard, declaring the way of the Lord, the word of the Lord. When we sing songs, we are giving a voice to our belief about God. And so maybe you guys knew all of the meaning of that song or not, but once I started listening to that song, I, I was ripped in two. Now, do I think that Tim should play that song every single week? No, I don't. And that's not because I don't like the song. It's because there are so many things to share with one another. There are so many great songs about the goodness of God. Man, the song we sang today, It Is Well. If you don't know the story behind that, go and Google it. Man, great story of how that song came about. Man, God's mercy falls on us all the time. And he is asking our church to arise. He's asking our church to be what we're meant to be. Our songs don't come from our desire for emotion. Our songs come from who God is. And the very last part he ends it with is this. In, verse, in this story, verses 25 and 26, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus said, I am the Messiah. This last one is more of a question than a statement, and it's this. Are you worshiping when you don't know what you believe or understand? This could be something that you're meaning to do. It could be something that you don't mean to do, but I want to challenge you that every single week you come here, that you look at our Worship and you go, that is what I believe. It's not just a good song. God gives us truth. The Messiah is here. The gospel changes our soul. And our spirit desires to connect with God. That's not anything that's different. It's been going on for years that we desire to connect with God. But it's more than just songs. It is the sunsets we see and we know that somebody created that. And it's God. It is in the beauty of our children that we watch grow up. It is the truth of Christ that resonates in our hearts when we hear something about him. It is in the simplicity of seeing that God's paintings are always the best. 
Worship is the pleasure of knowing that our spirits are connected to God. We are his chosen ones, the ones he died for, the ones who have tasted freedom and respond to his goodness. That's what worship is in the soul. It is God doing the work in us so we can express outwardly. Worship should be truth giving voice from the heart and an emotional response. So I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to come forward and we're going to end in one last song. And I think it's pretty fitting. And like I said last week that I wish that I could say that I made all of, that, that I plan all these things, but most of the time I don't. The last song is Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. The Spirit of God is the one that speaks to us. The Spirit of God is the one that moves us in the right direction. And so do you welcome the Spirit to move you? Or is it something that you just say, hey, I, maybe, I, maybe I do or don't know that the Spirit is here. And so I, I hope that this morning, as we sing this song, that you could worship in spirit and truth and give God the glory that he's due. And really what you're saying through this song is that not just welcome here, but welcome in your heart to walk with you the rest of this week. I hope that you see some of the most beautiful things this week and I hope inside your soul, it raises a desire to worship God for who he is. I hope you maybe see it in the smile of your children or the phone call that gets you excited from your children. Or the beauty of catching deers. That's catching deer, if you didn't know that. Maybe it's in the sunset that you see. Seeing something that stirs up in your heart and you know that it's God, not just a desire to have some emotional response to him. So let's sing. I, I think today we, we talked quite a bit about worship right here in this room, and I think there's, there's some correlations we can have to relate worship in, in Sunday morning service in a, in a funny, funny video um, to, to how we actually are the other six days, six and a half days of the week. And so I think, at least for me, I, I may not be speaking for all of you, but maybe you have a way to relate that maybe you don't sing out as loud because you think my, you, you have like a, a, well, I'm really a horrible singer. Um, that's actually why I'm in the front row is I'm hoping nobody can hear me um, in, the, in the front. Um, and, then, and then maybe like, I, I, don't, I don't like to raise my hand during worship or both hands or do the window wash or, or the, the hold the TV or the big screen. Um, I, I don't like to do those things because I've never done them before and the people around me, they know I haven't done them and they're, they're gonna judge me because that's something that I just haven't done before. Or this isn't that kind of church. We don't, we don't do that kind of worship here. Just a few of the weirdies, they do that. I'm not making fun of any of the weirdies in here because I do it sometimes too. Um, I think that relates because I think we excuse a lot of our worship outside of this building the same way. I'm not gonna use my voice to worship God right now in this moment. He's clearly giving me because I'm not comfortable. 
I don't know the right words to use right now. It's not going to be the right tone. They're not going to receive it correctly. I'm not going to raise my hand in a time where I know that there needs to be social God-given justice right now. I'm not going to step up when I see people diving in dumpsters behind your jeans. It's not what I've done before. People know that that's not something I do. I help in a different way. Worship is, we practice here with three or four songs every week so that we can have the voice, so that we can have the movement, so that we can have the actions and the heart to go and bring it out into our community. And I have one thing I want to share, and it it was a hard conversation I had. Um, we We have three foster children right now, and they each have a different caseworker at CPS and one of the caseworkers told me that it's been it's been tough lately um that they for example will have two kids that have been called that that need placement because they're in a in a bad situation in a home one of them is being sexually abused and one of them is being physically abused the caseworker has to choose which one's more urgent can you, can, you, can you believe that that's something that goes on in not some far off land? This is something that goes on in our community. In Glasgow, Montana, they leave children in abusive situations because the church hasn't answered the call. We're too scared to raise our hand. We're too scared to sing out loud. We're too scared to stand up and, and scream what we know is right. Yes, worship can be tough right here in this room. We may have our ideas of what songs are correct, what songs get us moving a little bit more, but I can tell you that God's spirit will wake these bones. God's spirit will add meat where there's never been any. He'll add voice and he'll add breath. That word wind that he talks about in Ezekiel is is synonymous for spirit Holy Spirit and wind, and he's using that to tell us that that his spirit can work through us, that we can step up, that we can worship in a different manner. And if just the people in this room right here would start to listen, to start to worship inside this building and, and practice and outside this building in our community, we could change the world. Let's pray. Lord, help us to answer your call, to worship in every moment of our lives, to to lift you up. Lord, thank you for beautiful worship this morning as we, we read through your word, as we communicate with each other, as we grow in our relationships with you and with each other. But Lord, Lord, help us today to truly understand worship, to truly truly grasp what it is that you're, you're calling on our life. Lord, what steps are you asking us to do? What songs do we need to sing in our community? What ways can we lift you up? Lord, you sent your son to die for our sins so that we may have a way. Thank you, Lord, for, for providing a way to heaven when you didn't even need to do that. 
Lord, as your son died and we are able to rise again, and your, your son Ezekiel, as he spoke to dry bones and they're able to rise again, Lord, in both of those, you give us your spirit while we are walking on this earth to speak your words, to walk in your light, and, and Lord, may you give us that strength. May we move every muscle, whether it's our vocal cords or our backbones or our legs or our hands, Lord, may we worship you. May we worship you. Lord, we ask all of these things in your name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.